done. Hello, fans of all ages, and welcome back to Exit Velo, powered by BackSportsPage.com. Ryan Morick here with you, recording this on Thursday night, January 30th, 2020, along with Adam Cohen. We got a lot to talk about. We've been MIA for the last week or so, and the stove is certainly hot, so we're going to get into a lot of Mookie Betts talk today. We're going to get into some Nolan Arenado conversation, and the Cincinnati Reds are making some moves, and we also saw Stalling Marte get traded from the Pittsburgh Pirates to the Arizona Diamondbacks, a trade rumor that was about as old as pretty much since the World Series uh, ended. But now that move is official. Marte is on his way to the Diamondbacks. But let's get into Mookie Betts, probably a top three player in all of baseball. And Adam, what's funny is when, when this rumor first started, Mookie Betts getting traded from the Boston Red Sox for – as long as you and I have been alive throughout our entire lifetimes, the Red Sox never traded away their primetime players. And that was all Dave Dombrowski. Never, he was never afraid to go chase a ring. He was never afraid to trade prospects and get players ready to win now. And now they are under new management. Hein Bloom is changing the direction of the course here. And we are now all of a sudden – Pretty damn close to seeing Mookie Betts get traded. It is really fascinating, and that is a great point. I actually really didn't even think about that, but it is very much correct and very much factual. The Red Sox just are not used to trading their high-profile players, especially someone like Betts, who could easily, if he was there for the Red Sox for his entire career, would have his jersey hung on the wall. It would be retired. He could certainly be a Red Sox, a Red Sox for life if the two parties were interested. But Betts is definitely considering the money involved. I have seen multiple reports about Betts counting the Red Sox 10-year, $300 million offer, the 12-year, $420 million offer. And the Red Sox have really tied themselves up by paying players like J.D. Martinez and Price and Sale and they want to be competitive, but they also got to think of their finances, too. And with Mookie probably not going to be in a Red Sox uniform in 2021, they got to start thinking about the future. In 2021, 2020 at this point, <laughs> it, it, it's funny because we, we all know that Mookie Betts has always wanted to test the free agent market. You mentioned that he turned down the Red Sox first offer of 10 for 300, and he wants 12 for 420. I really am interested in seeing what team will – Give that to him, and uh, I'm on his baseball reference page right now. He'll be 28 by the time he gets free agency, so I'm not sure. I'm sure that someone will probably give him 12 years just because, I mean, look at what we saw. I mean, we saw with Mike Trout, he signed a 12-year deal. We saw Garrett Cole get nine years being a pitcher, which is rare in of itself. 12 years, I think – could be a stretch. I mean, we saw Manny Machado get 10 years. We saw Bryce Harper get 13 years. And he signed that contract when he was 26 years old. So I'm not sure if we're going to see 12 years from Mookie, But just looking at his resume, he's been an all-star the last four years. He's gotten a gold glove the last four years. He's gotten a silver slugger in three out of the last four years. He's finished top eight in MVP voting in each of the last four years, including a second-place finish in 2016. And he won the MVP in 2018, the same year that he won the World Series with Boston and won 108 games that year. But now we're really starting to see this Mookie Betts trade rumor might not be a rumor anytime soon. And we've floated around 
the Dodgers and the Padres. But I want to ask you, Adam, where do you think is the most likely landing spot for Betts? Honestly, I cannot see the Padres signing Betts, at least without Price. It just does not make a lot of sense for them. Look, the Padres are a weird, weird organization. And this is why they're weird. They're weird because they started the rebuild way too fast. They signed Hosmer. They signed Myers. They signed Machado. And we're hoping their young guys like Cal Quantrill and Mackenzie Gore and Tatis and Mejia would all come up. And they're starting to come up. And they're definitely going to be good a couple of years down the road. But they've already committed a lot of money. They'd have to give a lot of prospects for bets. And if they want Price, too, I mean, Price is an aging pitcher. He's probably going to get worse every year from here on out. I don't see another comeback from him like he did, uh, I think, what, year two in Boston. So I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for them. I think the Padres got to play their cards smart, and this does not seem a great deal for them. On the other hand, though, the Dodgers are so close to World Series. What have they won now? Seven straight NL, East ti- uh, sorry, NL West titles, and they went to the World mm-hmm. Series back-to-back times and also against teams who were a part of the sign-stealing uh, sh- scandal. So they have all the incentive in the world to go for this one-year rental of bets, give up some decent prospects. They don't have to give up Dustin May or Gavin Lux. They could also get Price if they want to, but they are just fine with Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw manning the rotation with guys like Kenta Maeda and Julio Urias and Dustin May rounding it out and Tony Gosselin as well. So I think the Dodgers should just try to get bets. They shouldn't try to get Price. And I think they're the best bet for them at this point. And I think when you look at the Dodgers, too, let's say that it does take a Dustin May or a Gavin Lux. It's not like the Dodgers are going to be afraid to throw money at Mookie Betts in the offseason anyway. It's not like they're run by, like, similarly to the Cleveland Indians, where if you're getting a one-month rental and you got to get rid of a prospect to do it, and you know that you have zero chance of re-signing this guy in the offseason, I mean, that's a risk that I think the Dodgers are willing to take. And like you said, seven straight division titles. They've been to the World Series two out of the last three years. They're the favorites to win the National League right now. I'd be hesitant if it had to take a Gavin Lux or a Dustin May, guys who can help your team right now to win. It's not like these guys, like these guys at this point, I know they're still considered prospects technically, but they're going to help this team win this year. And when you look at the Padres, I feel like they are the type of team who, if they took on Mookie Betts, they would have to take on David Price. But in the same breath, David Price is under contract for three more years, and Mookie Betts is only under contract for one more year. And I'm not sure if the Padres are going to want to re-sign Betts after committing all this money to Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado and David Price. You assume that the Sox would probably take on a lot of Price's contract, but you did hit the nail on the head also when it comes to San Diego. Their rotation is just not there. Chris Paddock is their number one right now. I know that they have Joey Lachesa, who could be a three or four on most teams. He's probably their second best starter. He had a really good year in 2018, 2019. He kind of fell off a little bit. But they have players and they have a roster that can win right now. But with that rotation, I just don't think that if you added David Price and then you're going to lose Mookie Betts after this year anyway. I just don't see the Padres as a legitimate threat to – I think they could land Betts, 
but I just don't think that it would scare most teams in the league. It really wouldn't. I mean, there's almost no way the Dodgers will lose the NL the NLS division this year, and the Padres would essentially be fighting for a second wildcard race and probably get beaten by the Dodgers or Nationals or Braves or some team down the road. So it just doesn't make sense. Which we'll talk about because there are a lot of good national teams that we'll get into. But, but keep so, going. Exactly, yeah. So there's so many good national league teams. The Padres, even with bets, wouldn't be top there. I mean, yes, I know they signed Trent Grisham and they got Tommy Pham. Their outfield's looking better and they started with more like a complete team except for starting pitching. I mean, look, Chris Paddock had a really good first big year last year, which is great. He could be their ace. You have no idea how he's going to do his sophomore season. Joey Lucchesi. No idea how he's going to do this here after a bad 2019. You have other guys like Nelson Lamette, who has talent, but we still need to see it for him. Guys like Mackenzie Gore or Cal Quaintrill, who have never even appeared in the big leagues yet. Maybe Quaintrill, but not, not Gore. I know that for sure. They have no idea how they're going to do at the big league level. So it's too much riding, and also they do not need another lengthy contract right now. And especially an aging pitcher like Price, that just would not be a smart move for them. The Padres are this kind of new age team that's trying to really foster their farm system and bank on these players that they've spent a lot of money on. It just wouldn't be a smart move for them. Now I'm looking at uh, SpotRack right now, and if you don't know this website, definitely go on it. It's my go-to source for MLB payrolls and free agents and so on and so forth. I'm looking at the Padres payroll for right now, and right now they have the 12th highest payroll at $145 million. So if they were to take on Mookie Betts and David Price, you have to assume that the Red Sox would probably take on about 75% of that. No, no, the the Padres, excuse me, would probably take on about 75%. But in the same breath, Kirby Yates and Garrett Richards – are both free agents as of this year. So you would save $15 million off the in cash space right there. Kirby Yates, he's up there in age, but he did have a career year this year. Garrett Richards, you have no problem getting rid of him. So maybe they wouldn't mind taking on David Price because at this point, I mean, the Padres have talent. They have Machado and, and Hosmer and Fernando Tatis, who is going to be on a team-friendly contract for the next five or six years. He was a rookie last year, and if he didn't get hurt – he and Pete Alonso were going to be neck and neck in Rookie of the Year voting. So I feel like if you're the Padres, Mookie might be kind of a stretch where you don't want to – I mean, they have a great farm system and they probably can afford to. But I, I don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign Mookie Betts in the offseason. But I feel like you would kind of make that move to get David Price because at this point if you're the Padres – with Fernando Tatis on a team friendly on a team friendly deal, and Machado and Hosmer, guys who on an offensive team who can compete, aren't the Padres kind of just like in why not territory? Why not go and get a David Price? You're not wrong there. Easily the Padres could do that. They have that financial flexibility. They have the type of prospects to make this type of trade for bets and or price. But it's still kind of weird. I mean, they want to build their pitching staff 
David Price is not the answer. They want to go again for someone of free agency, maybe like Carlos Carrasco next year. I think Carrasco's a free agent sure. or someone like that. Or there's, I'm sure there's a lot of other free agents out there in 2021 or just mm-hmm. via the trade market that are better than yeah. Price. I Trevor mean, look, Bauer is out there, Tyler Chatwood, James Paxton, Strowman, Tanaka. There are, there are a few good arms on, on this list yeah. next year. And you could say that Price w- could do better at Petco Park because it's a ginormous ballpark and he would be at Fenway anymore. There are so many good options and better options to David Price. Yes, he can do better at Petco Park because he had a 4.24 ERA in Fenway and he wouldn't have to face Gary Sanchez, who's essentially his dad at this point. So that would always be good for him. And, you know, he could still be a decent starter for them, but why would you want to commit, I don't know, 20 plus million a year? Because, look, the Red Sox are maybe going to pay, what, 5 to 10 million off this contract. It's still 20 million for the Padres in the book. So, it doesn't make sense to get price out of all people. And sure, they can just say, let's go for it. Why not? But come on. We all know they're not going to win the World Series in 2020. We could maybe see 2022, 2023, but Betts isn't with them this year. Or if they just want Betts and that's it, and maybe re-sign him after that, sure. But are they really going to sign Betts that 12-year, $420 million deal, uh, even though they have... Myers and Hosmer and Machado. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the Padres are so in between of everything right now, and you know what's killing them, that Will Myers contract, because I feel like if they could, they would they would want to shell out that money any way that they can. But they're paying Will Myers $20 million or more for the next, uh, what is it, one, two, th- there's a buyout in 2023, I believe. But that contract is surely killing them. But speaking of contracts, Nolan Arenado signed a big one before last season started, and he told Colorado it was either trade me or bring some guys in to help to help me win. And I hate when players do this when after they sign a crazy deal because they know that it's going to just hurt the team's chances of getting other players because they're making a quarter of the team's salary cap anyway. But... Nolan Arenado is also his stove is pretty hot. He is looking like he's going to get traded pretty soon. He's very angry with Colorado's upper management. But the thing that I have a hard time believing here, Adam, is that this happened overnight. So he signed an eight-year deal worth two hundred seventy million dollars. He cashed out. Good for him. But now, one year after the deal, you want to get out of Colorado, and I get that the team is not all that good, but. I don't know how it all started, but now we're seeing a, a superstar want to call it quits after just one year into his new contract. It's very strange, too, because with these superstars, you kind of see usually one of two things. You see them either really want to sign an extension with the team like Arenado did, and it makes sense because the Rockies went to the playoffs for back-to-back seasons for the first time in their franchise history, or you want to see them just test free agency like Betts. And Arenado went the extension route, and it is, like you said, didn't happen overnight. It couldn't have happened overnight. It's very strange that already in year two, he just wants to get traded. So it's it's very strange stuff. And I think it all started with his shock and probably the Rockies' shock, maybe even some people at the baseball world shock that the Rockies were not very competitive in 2019. And that just comes from their inconsistency with pitching and the home run ball, which really hit hard on the Rockies because they're already a nightmare for pitchers. And if the juice ball, that just doesn't help either. So 
their pitching, they just need something consistent, something young, someone they can trade for, which is really tough for them. But they have not been making any moves. And I totally hear what you're saying, that Arenado takes a good portion of the Rockies' contract. Rockies payroll, excuse me, and he does. And the Rockies can't really make too many high-profile franchise or financially acceptable moves with his contract on board because Colorado is not really a big market, and it just takes up a big a lot of the payroll. And they also have Blackman under contract and a lot of the relievers under contract. That's what, what where they want the focus, not with the starters, which is equally as important, if not more important, than the relievers probably. Definitely more important. So it's very strange, and it, I understand that he's very likely to get traded, but I can't really see the Cubs as a potential place that he can get traded for. It just no, doesn't make a lot of sense. Does it make I, sense to you? We're seeing a lot of Chris Bryant for Nolan Aaron. I mean, if I'm the if I'm the Cubs, I I would do that in, in a second because you're like if you're the Cubs, you either have to pay Chris Bryant. Or trade him for what? Prospects. I mean, if you can get rid of Chris Bryant, who has two years left on his deal after he lost his grievance, if you get rid of Chris Bryant and you bring on Nolan Arenado, who in my opinion is better, and you would probably, if you wanted to extend Bryant, you would be giving him pretty much an, an equal, I shouldn't say equal, but a contract similar to that. I mean, the, why, why wouldn't you do it if you're the Cubs? I mean, it doesn't really make sense either way. If I'm the Rockies, I don't think i do it. Unless if you just want to shoo away that contract, then sure. But then that leaves you with an issue with Chris Bryant. But, what, but what's crazy to me is why are the Rockies bad? They have Daniel Murphy, who is a, who is a perennial 300. He was just an MVP candidate. A couple years ago. They have Trevor Story, who was one of the best hitting shortstops in the league. Obviously, they have Nolan Arenado. Ryan McMahon is a very underrated player, in my opinion. And David Dahl and Charlie Blackman are also pretty damn good players. It's Like you said, they made the postseason a couple of times in a row. I think it was either two or three years in a row. And then, all of a sudden, just when you thought that they were going to hit their stride, and they get they re-sign Arenado to this monster deal. He's in Colorado for life. He's going to be winning at least a couple of MVPs. And then they can't even win 70 games with this team? That, to me, was one of the biggest surprises and biggest disappointments of this past season, the Colorado Rockies as a whole. See... This is great because now you're starting to get ahead of Nolan, into, into the head of Nolan Arenado. This is must. This must be what Arenado is thinking. Like, come on, I just signed this massive deal. I want to make my entire career in Colorado, and they can't even win more than like what 72 games in 2019, which is ridiculous. And then they do nothing in the off season. He has had direct talks with the front office because you know he controls a lot of what happens in Colorado now since he just is paid so much. So. And the Rockies, like you mentioned, have no problem with their hitting. They have a very good hitting team, even by Colorado standards. And they actually probably, probably have a decent bullpen, too, because they spent so much money at their bullpen, so it must be at least okay, at least away from Colorado. And they, have, they still have talent in their starting pitching system. I mean, in 2019, sorry, 2018, excuse me, their starting pitching was probably the best that I've ever seen them with. They had... 
Herman Marquez. They had Kyle mm-hmm. Freeland. They had John Gray. They had Anthony Sensatella. They've had, they've had the, and they've they've had the same. I, I hate to cut you off, but they had the same rotation this year. They had the same exact guys, and then they ranked last in starting pitching ERA. Their starters pitched to a five eight seven ERA, and they were actually good the year before. It honestly could be the home run ball. I mean, every single team is affected by it, but I wonder if there's any studies out there that show how much it's affecting Colorado right now because there's already a home run park fiasco. I mean, home runs are out there left and Mm. right. So with this whole new juice ball, it must be a lot more prevalent so maybe that could be a reason. Yeah, but Rocky starters had a four nine two ERA on the road geez. and at home, which which was the tenth worst in baseball. And then at home they had a six point two zero ERA, which was dead last. And their team ERA, their starting pitching ERA, both home and away combined, was also dead last in the majors. So I get that you're sure use Colorado and use Coors Field as an excuse. But it's not like your pitching is doing the job on the road either. And who knows? Like that's obviously the reason why they're losing ball games. I'm going to pull up their offensive stats right now. But they they obviously have a pretty damn good offensive team. So if you're to trade Arenado, I feel like if you're the Rockies, it would be very stupid to trade for prospects because you have. A very good, very talented offensive team, and that's even without Nolan Arenado. This team can still hit home runs whether they are in Colorado. I mean, sure, their home OPS was the highest in baseball. Let's take a look at their OPS on the road. At home, their OPS was 884, and on the road, road, they actually ranked second to last. It's 678 OPS. So, but but sh- you know what? I guess we'll call it average. You know what? They're, it's home field advantage for them. If you're going to trade Arenado, you better get guys who are going to help your team out now, especially in the starting pitching department. If you just trade Arenado for a bunch of prospects who we really have no idea what they are, I think that is where the Rockies are going to make a big mistake. And I feel bad for Arenado in this case because – he wants a team that's that he can lead to an, an NL West title. He wants a team that he can lead to possibly the World Series, and they can. But unfortunately, their best bet – I'm not going to say their best bet is to trade him. i got to be careful with my wording there. But Arenado is obviously going to give them the biggest return. And Arenado won't be here to see a talented roster around him. You are very right by that. So – that even makes the Chris Bryant for Nolan Arenado trade even more weird because that doesn't really help them either way. I mean, sure, it takes that giant contract and gets Arenado out of Colorado, but it doesn't help their starting pitching. It doesn't help them return to the playoffs, and this doesn't really improve the team at all. It makes the team worse because they're not going to be any better with Bryant, and they're not addressing the real issue, which is starting pitching. But I do think we should focus on a point how the Rockies are not that good away from home. And actually, if Arenado were to go to Chicago, he wouldn't be as good there, of course, as he is at Coors Field. Because Arenado is a very different player on the road than he is at home. At home, he has an OPS of 
I think, like 930 or above. On the road, it's like 799, which is above average, but not way above average. It's not elite. His glove will always take him anywhere, and that will be great. He'll still hit 30-plus bombs. So he'll kind of be like a Chris Bryant in Chicago, and Chris Bryant will almost be like an Arenado without the defense in Colorado. So it really doesn't help them out too much, but it's just a very strange situation. And it really is sad to see this team crumble so quickly after such a good playoff run. Such a good playoff run and such promise, too. And they still have promise because I think they have a very good mixture of veterans. I mean, you've got the homegrown guys in Arenado and Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman. And then you bring on a Daniel Murphy who pretty much carried the Mets to a World Series in 2015 and then became an MVP candidate when he was in Washington that was a great pickup by them, and then and all of a sudden, it, it's such a crash and burn from Colorado, and a very quick one at that. But let's move on from Nolan Arenado. The Cincinnati Reds made a couple of big moves this week. They signed Nick Castellanos to a four-year deal, and they signed Pedro Strope to a one-year deal to help out that bullpen. One of the big things last year for Cincinnati was their starting rotation. Luis Castillo was a bonafide ace last year, and Sonny Gray found himself, obviously New York just wasn't the place for him to succeed. He goes to Cincinnati, and I believe he was a top 10 finish in the Cy Young race. Yeah, I think he was a top 10 finish in all of baseball in, in uh, earned run average. So they have a very solid rotation, and this is a move that Pedro Strope, for I'm saying, this is a move that had to be made. I don't think that Strope is going to put this red team uh, and their bullpen to the next level. I don't think that he's this elite reliever, but it certainly helps. And they have Nick Cassianos, who had a great year last year. And it was a very, very solid move for Cincinnati, who I'm not going to call them a favorite to win the division just yet. I think they can win. And I thought that they were going to last year because I, I wasn't sold on St. Louis and I wasn't sold on Milwaukee uh, once again. I, but they're damn good this year. Then They're going to be good, and this is a big move for them. They are certainly making a statement, and they are not afraid to spend their money and go after big bats. And a lot of people do forget that Castellanos is just 28 years old. He's one of the best and most underrated hitters of the game. Sure, he has a lot of trouble in defense, and the Reds' outfielder, outfield defense is looking very, very suspect out there right now. But they're looking very sound hitting, and they're not afraid to go after big-name players. They're also not afraid to go after pretty much the Cubs' setup man for the last five, six years in Pedro Strope, which I think is hilarious because before 2019 – Strope had five consecutive seasons of sub 2.9 ERA, sub 1.2 WHIP, and a .7 F4 at least. And an elite reliever has at least an F4 of 1.0. So he was very, very good for the Cubs. Got a bit hurt by the home run ball and just an increased walk rate last year. So, again, not going to be life-changing for the Reds, but it's a statement just to take away from Chicago's inactivity this offseason and just make just add to their weakness of the bullpen and are serious about getting away all their weaknesses. And with Castano's signing, all three, not including Akiyama, 
of their outfitters, such as Akiano, Winker, and Sensel, are now tradable, which is great because that can totally net them a reliever or an impact pitcher that can maybe start in the bullpen in 2020 and be a starter in 2021. So they are making moves. I would not be surprised at all if in the next week or so we hear some trade rumors about one of their outfitters. Already starting to hear some about Aristides Akiano, who had a great, great hot start last year. So it'll be very fun to see what the Reds do this year. And honestly, I kind of disagree with it. I think they are there at this point. Maybe not by the defensive standpoint, but I think they are there to win the Central. And I think they definitely have the momentum more so than the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals altogether. Well, it's, it's going to be a fun division. We were, we were talking about it before we started recording. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun. And you mentioned Jesse Winker, too. He had a career earlier year last year. And well, why I like this job signing, too, it's a cheap signing. He'd be making up to $3.5 million based on incentives. And he obviously had a down year last year. If that continues into late May or early June, you're already paid about 45% of his contract. At that point, you could just cut him. At that point, you, you know if he's going to have it or not. And you know what? We've seen Strope at his best. Like you said, <coughs> excuse me. Like you said, Adam, he had that five year stretch where he was pretty dominant. If Pedro Strope is that, good for you. And I, I think they need some help in this bullpen, too. They have Iglesias as a closer, and they have Michael Lorenzen, who is a nice arm. Um, but I, I think they do lack a little bit of star power. And I think if Pedro Strope is at his best, this can be a, a very, very good bullpen. And on top of that, I didn't even mention they, they have Trevor Bauer and they have Desclafani as well. This is and a, Miley. And Wade Miley. Wade Miley's your five starter. That, that's not bad at all. They have a very, very, very good rotation. They picked up Mike Moustakis, and you know Suarez hit 49 home runs last year. He ranked second in the big leagues. This is a pretty talented team that I think they're not going to be slept on anymore. I think that this is a team to be reckoned with for sure. You are totally right in that this will be a very fun NL Central, and they are very, very close if they are not – there yet and they have made some big moves and their infield is one of the best infields in baseball sure Votto is not Votto of mm-hmm. 2010 anymore he's still a walk a lot he'll still be a very good leadoff hitter for them but they have Stockis Galvis is very underrated at least defensively and he'll he put up 20 homers last year Suarez is perhaps the most underrated play, uh, third baseman in all of baseball we can really see that guy hit 50 homers this year no sweat and a lot of people would be surprised Maybe not people in the know like us, but a lot of people would be surprised that this guy can be a 50-homer candidate. And he doesn't play bad defense either, so he is a good third baseman in the making. He's already really one of the best third basements in the game, which is really, really interesting to think about. So, And looking a little bit more at, that, and looking a little bo- bit more at their bullpen, excuse me, they have a couple of guys who are pitching to an ERA of under of under 3.8 or so. So uh, Pedro Strope is definitely a, a nice addition to that bullpen. Uh, but before we wrap it up, let's get into the Stalling Marte trade. He's going to Arizona. And what's funny about the Diamondbacks is they trade Paul Goldschmidt. They trade Zach Greinke. And all of a sudden, they're kind of right back in it. They get this. They get Stalling Marte. Who, who was who has been a very nice player over the last few years, and I don't think that this team is great. But with the season that Ketel Marte had last year, he's an MVP candidate. 
let's see if he can post that for a second year in a row because it did kind of come out of nowhere. But give me your thoughts on this deal for the Diamondbacks. This is a great deal for the Diamondbacks. And I think it's also a very strange deal for the Pirates because I was thinking, or I was under impression by Trody Marte, they would get some impact players right now. But no, the Pirates are very much in rebuilding mode. And we have talked about in depth of the highly touted NL Central, and the Pirates are just not in the midst for that. So you know, young, and I mean super young. They went for Brennan Malone, 33rd overall pick in 2019 draft, who just had seven appearances in short single A last year. And this young player named Leo Verpaguero, who's my age, 19 years old, from the Dominican Republic, and he actually batted 326 in short season single A. So they're not bad players, but they went really young for Marte, which is hilarious. And Marte will definitely help this Dimebats team. It's a very spacious outfield. And Dimebats, where a lot of us had just no idea what direction they were going towards after trading away Goldschmidt and trading away Grinky, they have now pretty much been right back where they left off, saved some cash, and are a real threat to be a wild card contender. So, in your opinion, Ryan, do you think the Dimebats are a wild card contender at this point? They are. They absolutely are. I mean, uh, I think Christian Walker has done a phenomenal job replacing Paul Goldschmidt. And Christian Walker, his first year in the league last year, he was constantly amongst the top in all rookie rankings last year. Like I mentioned, Cattell Marte with the almost MVP season last year. Nick Ahmed is becoming a little bit more than, than just a solid uh, gold glove caliber player. Eduardo Escobar is a very nice player. And you got Cole Calhoun, who, if he really wanted to, I think you could, I think he you could still get 30 or 35 home runs from him just because he's the guy, the guy's jacked out of his mind. So Cole, uh, last year, he last year, 33 home runs and 74 runs batted in. So I don't think that they're going to be competing with the Dodgers anytime soon. But let's also remember they just picked up Madison Bumgarner, who I think is st- is crazy as this sounds. Bumgarner, I think, is one of the more underrated pitchers in all of baseball. I don't think that he's 2014 or t- through 2016 postseason Bumgarner anymore. But if you got a lefty who's going to throw in the three seven three eight ERA range, that's a good. I mean, I don't want that at the top of the rotation. But this team went from. Almost trading Robbie Ray and Archie Bradley for some more prospects to Robbie Ray being your second starter, and I think that that's a very good sign for Arizona. It really is, and Bumgarner went healthy, and he was very durable, and he also did not have any normal injury. That was a dirt bike accident that pretty much sidelined him for two years. So when he got back on the mound, he's a 200-inning-plus guy, and the Diamondbacks should be able to see that for years to come. And Robbie Ray can also give... The D-Bats, 180-plus innings. Sure, he'll pitch to a 4 ERA, but he also strike up guys for ridiculous great, and he'll be a great starter for them. You have Zach Gallon, who had a very impressive and underrated rookie debut in 2019, and he'll help them out too. So, Diamonds are just a very underrated team. They also have David Peralta as a corner outfitter, and Peralta's hit 30 homers before too. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be a fun year in Arizona. Yeah, they're not there yet. But I would – I want to take a look at their payroll really quickly because it can't be all that super high. But I think that the Diamondbacks can definitely be a, a year or two away. They, they have some young studs with a, 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 a solid mix 
uh, veteran leadership. Now that I'm looking at the payrolls, Arizona is actually below league average right now. They rank 19th at just about $109 million. So let's get a couple of these free agents a couple of these free agents that are on the book. We mentioned the Strowmans and the, the James Paxons of the world. I think there, there are probably some pretty good relievers on the market next year as well. And I think they need some help in that department. But Arizona... They can be here sooner rather than later. But that's going to do it for this episode of Exit Velo. Stay tuned to Back Sports Page for more content. We still want to get down to the nitty-gritty on breaking down all the divisions in baseball. But for Adam Cohen, this is Ryan Morick saying it is not goodbye. It is see you later. So long and take care, everybody.